Morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are you awake? Is life great? Absolutely. Life is awesome. Today I want to speak to you about a subject from a song that Leslie sings from time to time here at Bethesda. The title of the song is I Give Myself Away. And in the, the song it says, I give myself away so you can use me. And in thinking about Memorial Day and the, the weekend uh, that we're in the midst of right now, a holiday weekend, and uh, thinking about uh, the way we uh, go and honor those that paid the ultimate sacrifice that gave their life for our freedom as a country, we need to always remember them. And uh, sometimes we turn holidays into things that they wasn't intended to be. And I was at a city council meeting uh, a few weeks ago, and the mayor of Ashland was talking about how that when he grew up that it was known as Decorations Day, that it was the day that you went to decorate graves and honor the fallen and those that uh, made that ultimate sacrifice. And, and now today we make it into this holiday deal and we get picnics and all these different things. And, and uh, in Memorial Day, the word M-E-M is the root word and it actually means to cause to bring back to remembrance in your memory, uh, the root word uh, teaching us to remember those that paid that sacrifice so we should give honor to whom honor is due the bible says so those that uh, served our military and served in our country and gave that uh, gave their life for our freedom we should honor them amen and take this weekend to remember those families that lost uh, loved ones that never came home from foreign uh, battles and fighting for our freedom and in in thinking this way that about giving ourselves away just like those that sign up uh, for the military service and and I was thinking about it you know that God he is not going to initiate a draft he's not going to uh, force you to come into the army of God he's not going to uh, require it of you as a citizen to come into the army of God it's uh, he only accepts enlisted soldiers and we're in a battle uh, whether we know it or not or recognize it or not there is a battle going on and it's a spiritual battle and uh, we should sense that in our in our life and in our uh, communities and in the things that we're uh, striving to do we should sense that there's a war going on and in our country that today the where we're living and and some of the things that's happening and the things going on it's not just carnal but it's in the spiritual realm that things are taking place and and the enemy uses the natural absolutely but he brings it into the realm of the spiritual first to get it to the natural and we ought to recognize that there's something going on but God isn't going to draft you he isn't going to require you to walk out these doors today and be involved in the army of God and require you to be a, a uh, army soldier in his army. He's only looking for enlisted soldiers. And there's, in enlisted, uh, the last draft, I think, in the United States was back in, uh, during the Vietnam War, they enacted the draft and required people to come down. I talk, I've talked to Dad about it before, you know, when he graduated high school, turned 18 years old, he had to go down to the courthouse and sign up and enlist his social security number and they would take it by draft, just by chance, who they took would go and uh, fight in the war over in Vietnam. And some people had to go fight that didn't even believe in war, or didn't believe in going and fighting for this cause, and just because they were drafted. God isn't going to draft. He isn't going to do that today. It's only by enlistment. And since Vietnam War, we've always done enlistment. So now they come up with the, they uh, allocated some of the money, the taxes that's taken in, and they allocated some of that money to give you a sign-on bonus. So now young people, 18 years old, gets out of high school, what's on their mind? Cars, you know, uh, 
maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, all these other things. That's all they know about. And sure, we teach them history in school, but you never learn from history until you learn and experience. And uh, so they're excited about getting there, out there, and they meet this Army recruiter that comes into school, and they recruit them into the Army and tell them that there's a sign-on bonus, that when you sign up, you get you get this money up front instantaneously. You've never done anything for it other than just signing your name. And that enlistment process gets people to sign up. So now they don't have to do a draft. And in God's army, it's the same way. He gives us a sign-on bonus. Amen? When you come in and become a Christian and sign up your name to be in the army of God, you're getting a sign-on bonus. Jesus said, all that you are heavy all that all you are that are heavy laden and burdened down with the cares of this life, come unto me and I will give you rest. That's our sign-on bonus. The minute, the instant that we give our life to Jesus and turn our life over to him, it's an instantaneous thing that the weight gets lifted off our shoulders. Amen? How many's ever felt that when you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus, that there was a sign-on bonus that he gave you? And it was a, a great bonus. It was a, and a bonus is something that's enjoyed, right? How many, how many loves bonuses? You ever get a bonus at work? Man, that's awesome. You know, I, I don't think, have I ever got a bonus? Man, I've been getting ripped off. Gee whiz. I don't know if I ever got, yeah, I did. I got a bonus check one time, I remember. One time I didn't even have to work for it, and because of the contract, the company had messed up, and they come in and give me an extra check. It was awesome. I remember it was back in 1999. Come back, just like that, see that? Bonuses, it's a memory thing. So a bonus is awesome, and, and part of our pension fund at, at work, um, through our organization, they they uh, allow bonuses sometimes. So if the pension fund does really well and the stock market's doing good and investments are doing good and all that, more money comes in the fund than what they expected or anticipated, they'll give out bonus checks. It's pretty cool, they call them the 13th check. So usually in December's when they come out, out of our pension fund, if it does well that year, not every year, I think we've done like four or five that I know of since I've been around since 2000. So in 18 years, there's been five bonuses. And that bonus will come out, and they used to do it by a 13th check, but now they changed it to do it like uh, they'll take up ever how many people they are and divide it the amount of money they got extra, and they'll put it out. So this past year, it's pretty awesome because some of the widowed ladies that, like their husband retired a long time ago, some of them retired back in the 70s that are still living, their widows are still living. And uh, uh, they'll, some of them draw like $68 a month in pension. It's really low. Some of our guys get really good pensions, but some of them get really low. Like, that and I think 68 is the lowest one we've got and can you imagine getting $68 a month all year long and then they take all this money that's extra divided up amongst the people and it was a thousand dollar bonus check this year this past year can you imagine getting $68 a month in pension and then come December you get a 13th check for a thousand dollars awesome right I'll, I'll sign me up can I go ahead and retire now no not really I, I don't want to wish my life away but those bonus checks are awesome and bonuses in our life is awesome and God's got a bonus plan too. We get a sign-on bonus when we get initially saved. There's a freedom comes, but also there's bonuses that continue throughout life that he, he gives us things that sometimes we don't deserve. Amen? He continues to give us freedom that we don't deserve. We don't earn. My actions, if it went totally off of merit, if God blessed me or didn't, I wouldn't do very well. Amen? If it was strictly off of effort. But it's about his goodness and his mercy and his grace in our life that it gives us bonuses. And it's bonus time. And today as we think about this in, in Memorial Day that we give ourselves away. We, we uh, sign the dotted line and say, God, I want to be in your army. I want to be a Christian, right? 
I want to sign up today. He gives you a bonus of freedom. And if you've never done that, you should today. You should make that decision today that I'm going to sign up for God's army because you'll get the freedom of the weight lifted off your shoulders and there's nothing feels better than walking in freedom in Jesus. And I begin to think about the war that's going on in the spiritual realm. And, and, and as I'm looking at this, the, the battle that we're in, some of us, we, I never served in the military. I never served in the Army. I didn't even join the ROTC in school. I was too lazy for that. I seen them out there climbing ropes and stuff. I was like, uh-uh, no, I'll sit in here and I'll draw or something. I took art, you know, uh, go to welding or something like that. I've done that. Pick that route. It's a lot easier. I could take the easy way out. That's me. Anybody else guilty? Okay, there's some, there's some doodlers in here. That's us, the doodle club. I'm like the star pupil of the doodles. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Jesus speaking uh, back to his people, and he's telling them, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. There's a battle going on, and Jesus is telling his disciples that the battle has been happening, and since the point of John the Baptist that begin to pronounce and announce that, or, or proclaim and announce that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Son of God is going to walk on earth, and as John the Baptist begins to proclaim that, from that point till now, Jesus says, there's been a, a, a the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, that there's a battle going on, that the enemy don't want Jesus walking on the earth. The devil didn't enjoy that day when Mary gave birth to Jesus. He didn't look forward to that time because he, was, he knew that he, he had humanity in his gra grip. He had them in his grasp and he, he held them in hell and he, he, he positioned people there and held them captive. But Jesus come and set everybody free. By Jesus appearing on earth, and John the Baptist was preaching about it and proclaiming it. John the Baptist should have been in the temple like his dad and doing the works of the ministry, but he was out in the middle of the pond saying, Hey, come out here. You need to be baptized. You need to be washed clean. You're, you're dirty. As humanity, you're dirty. The Bible says we're all dirt. Look at your neighbor and say, I make my dirt look good. <laughs> Amen. I'm the best looking pile of dirt you ever saw. But that kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is suffering violence. The enemy is fighting. And that spiritual battle that began on the moment that Jesus entered this earth in human form has continued even till today. Jesus was proclaiming that 2,000 years ago, but the fight is still on. The enemy is still trying to fight against humanity. He wants to take you down. He wants to tear you down. He wants to destroy every uh, dream you have, every ambition you have in life. The enemy wants to tear it down. But what are we going to do about it? In the spiritual world, if the fight is going on in the spiritual world, we have to fight it in the spiritual world. Amen? We can't fight it with carnal things. And Paul, I love the Apostle Paul, he says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 4. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. Amen? What kind of warfare are we in? It's a spiritual warfare, so we can't use a carnal weapon against a spiritual warfare. So if the enemy of our soul is trying to fight against us spiritually, we can't go at it carnally and do any good. Amen? My carnal nature takes advantage of me sometimes. Amen? The Bible says in Romans that, that uh, in, uh, carna, the carnal mind and the spiritual mind is enmity one amongst the other, that they're in battle, that they're in war against each other. Sometimes Paul even said, Some, I want to do good, but I don't do it. <laughs> I end up messing up more than I fix. Amen? 
Because if we try to fight this spiritual battle that we're in with carnal weapons, we're going to continue to lose. Amen. I'm tired of being a loser. <laughs> Amen. Ain't you just tired of being a loser? Feels like life, you just lose that time after time, day after day, week after week, and year after year. I'm sick of losing. I want to win. God's team is the winning team. But we got to use his weapons, not our own. Paul was telling the Corinthians, quit fighting these battles in the carnal. Because the, for one, you can read through the book of Corinthians, and what they do, they would backbite each other and stab and do this and talk about each other, and this is going on, that's going on, and they was trying to fight the battles of the church with carnal nature. There's an enemy against the church. I can tell you his name. His name is Lucifer. He's the one that don't want Bethesda to be successful. He doesn't want the Christian churches down the street to be successful. He don't want the Methodist church in town to be successful. Amen. He don't want the Baptist church up the corner to be successful. Why? Because he knows that the church brings freedom to people's lives. And he don't want you free. God. Jesus. Wants us free. And if the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but that's what we usually fight with, no wonder we lose. It's no wonder we lose. Amen? What is carnal weapons? Carnal weapons. Trying to think your way out of stuff. The Bible says the man that thinks is in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so are you. So you can try to think about it all you want, but your thoughts are going to end up in your heart, and your thoughts, you need to take every thought captive, the Bible says. Amen? Paul said that he poured out his life as a drink offering, just as Jesus did. It's in Philippians, he tells us that. And the Bible also says in Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament prophesied this. He said, no weapon against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Think about a prophet of God proclaiming that to people in, in years in, in, in the future, telling them, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Ain't you glad of that? No matter what the enemy tries to do to you, that God has already made it and said that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Amen. If you're in battle, you'll be glad if the enemy's weapons was misfiring. Amen. Wouldn't it be awesome if you, if, you, if you end up in a battle and this, this war in the natural that if, if every time the enemy went to shoot at you that their gun misfired? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be the best battle ever. What if it's like that in the spiritual world if we trust God and believe in God that he says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They're going to misfire. The enemy can't even fire a weapon at you. Amen. That's a promise from God. The carnal nature doesn't understand that. And it seems like that I'm always fighting a spiritual battle. It seems like there's a battle going on in my soul on a daily basis. Amen. If we listen to the still small voice of God, we'll understand when he says, shh. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't real good at that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Has anybody ever opened up your mouth and said the wrong thing? And, and before the word even got off the, the tip of your tongue, you was trying to catch it. It was like, man, if I could just catch that and get that back. Oh, no. Why did I say that? No. You can't get it back. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will always hurt. Amen. Words will hurt us. It's our carnal nature. Our carnal man speaks. 
And as we speak, a lot of times what we're speaking is not what we ought to be speaking. What if we would use these lips to declare the works of God? What if we would say often to your kids, you're blessed and highly favored of the Lord? It'd be a lot better than saying, you knew no good for nothing, you'll never amount to anything. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Our carnal nature kills us. But God's got us in this spiritual battle, and He's telling us that don't use carnal weapons. Sure, you can speak with a carnal mouth and declare things in the spirit realm. I promise you, that is true. But you've got to say the right things. What does God want us to say? What kind of weapons are they? If there's a spiritual battle going on, is there spiritual weapons listed in Scripture? I want us to turn to the book of Ephesians. It's an epistle written by Paul the Apostle back to the church at Ephesus. And he's talking to them about some things going on in the church. And as he's talking to them, He's letting them know that there's some spiritual weapons. Look at your neighbor and say, spiritual weapons. You guys ain't very loud. I know if you was at a ball game, you'd be a lot louder than that. Amen. Aaron's sitting down there watching Marky. I'm sure she's like, go Marky. Woo. Hit the ball, Marky. Woo. You know. Throw him out. You scream to the top of your lungs. Or dad, the same way. Mom, yeah, it's the same way. Don't, you know, sit back there. No, isn't that my, that's my boy. <laughs> when we talk about God, we ought to be more active. Amen. In church. Woo! Yeah. We're not talking about camping trips now. Just let out a good woo. Come on, everybody. Ah, that's, you can do better than that. Come on. Act like your life depends on it. One, two, three, go. You didn't even holler. I was watching. I'm watching you. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 10. I love this. Paul is writing back to the church and he's explaining some things to him. I love Ephesians. It's an awesome uh, epistle from Paul the Apostle talking back to the church. Verse 10, 610. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. In the power of his might, not in your own might. The Bible says not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? It's only God's spirit and only God's power and only God's might that's going to accomplish anything in your life. And he's telling us here, Paul is saying, Brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Amen, this is, this is exciting stuff, thinking that I'm in battle and God's giving me weapons. Isn't that awesome to have a weapon? That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds. Really, God has given me weapons that are successful, that he knows the strategies of the enemy. He knows that he wants to divide and conquer. He knows what the strategies of the enemy always is. And God is telling us here, I've given you mighty weapons. They're not carnal. And he's telling us it's amazing to put on the whole armor of God. Sometimes we need some armor in our life. Amen? I remember back in the, after 9-11 that we sent our troops and all of them went, you know, and, and over fighting Iraq, Iraqi freedom, and then went into uh, Afghanistan. And as they began to battle in Afghanistan, they were fighting an enemy that wasn't using conventional tactics. 
I can tell you today that the enemy won't use conventional tactics against you. He don't fight fair, is what I'm saying. He doesn't fight fair. And they started putting these roadside bombs down, and, and the American soldiers would be driving through just on a mission to go do some uh, reconnaissance or something, be driving through in a Humvee, and these roadside bombs would be placed in the road, and it would blow the Humvee up because there was no armor on the Humvee. It was made for driving around and without doing any battle. It was just a reconnaissance type thing. But here the enemy starts using tactics to fight against those that's just doing the right thing. Protection. So the American government had to come up with this system and these different things, and they armor-plated them. You remember when back in about 2004, 5, whatever it was, that they started to go through Congress and say, we need more money allocated to the military so that we can protect our, our warriors. We can't let people drive around in Humvees that are not protected. They're not fighting fair. They need some, they need some armor on the vehicles. And God's telling us here, I've given you armor that will protect you from the blast that the enemy's trying to bring in your path. Amen. Protective armor. How many wants God's protection? It's where he upholds us with the right hand of his righteousness. And, and nothing by any means will hurt you. Amen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is amazing. God is telling us these weapons are here. And they'll stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. He's saying we don't wrestle against flesh and blood because that's what carnal mind automatically goes into, the mode. Amen? When somebody says something bad about you, what do you do? Well, they're going to talk about me like that. Let me tell you something about them. Amen? What if one of the best defenses you can have is just keeping your mouth shut? Amen. You can tell a lot about a person by how they talk about other people. Well, I'm going to leave that alone. Nobody amen in that one. Better move on. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. Because people do bad things. That's humanity. That's what Adam and Eve, their sin brought upon all creation was this disturbance and it brings chaos and all this stuff happens because of humanity. It's our human nature. Amen. It happened with their kids. Can you imagine Adam and Eve, God telling them to go repopulate the earth. They have these two sons. And what happens to the two sons? First story in the Bible about two kids getting a fight. Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel. So here's Cain. He takes up his offering like just I'll take whatever I got left over. Here you go, God. This is good enough. Just that's enough for you, God. Here's the rest. This is mine. I'll take ninety-nine. You take one. That'd be good. Amen. Just just take take what you get, God. Abel does the right thing, and he brings the first fruits of his offering. Amen? There's a, there's a whole thing about that first fruits thing. So Abel brings his up there. God accepts it. Now Cain gets mad. Let me tell you something. Anytime God goes to blessing you, everybody else is going to get mad. Amen? When they don't do the right thing, when they're not engaged in this spiritual battle that we're in, and they're not fighting, and they're not praying, and they're not seeking God, and they're not reading His Word, and when you begin to get blessed, they're going to look at you and say, well, what, well why, you just think you're just so much holier than me, don't you? Look at you over there getting blessed. Let me back about you a little bit. Amen? 
It's what Cain did. Sounds just like kids, don't it? Always fighting. Amen. And the kid that does good, like Landon, night and night's always getting on him. That's just automatic. He's the golden child. I feel sorry for Landon, man. He gets beat up at night and night. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. He's bigger than her, but she's mean. So Cain, Abel, what's wrong with you, man? Abel's like, I don't know. I just give God what he asked for. There's a spiritual battle going on. The devil don't like it when you're family. The devil don't like it when you're together. The devil don't like harmony. The devil don't like peace. So he brings division, brings strife, brings bitterness. And the Bible says that Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. Abel was Abel, and Cain was Cain. You hear everybody say now, you know, I went out and raised a little cane. What are you raising? Rebellion. That's what you're raising is rebellion. That's who they're, talk, they're not talking about cane. Talk about raising cane. There's too many canes being raised today. Why is our society going to hell in a handbasket? Too many canes in the world. Parents, it's your job, it's your obligation. The Bible says that children are an inheritance of the Lord. The man that's blessed has got a quiver full of them. I ain't got any. God didn't bless me as a kid. I got Jake and Zoe. They look me in the face and tell me they love me every day. Mostly because I give them cookies. Leslie bought me some Swiss cake rolls last week. First time I've had any forever. Wouldn't you know, I got two of them out of a whole box. That's, that's not enough. Two sweet cake, you know, not two. Like it's four, it's two packs. Jake decides he wants them. He knocks them off the counter and eats the whole box. The box and all. <laughs> He's like, Dad, them Swiss cake crows, you give me a little chunk. <laughs> Showed you. Take them all. It's a battle, though, in our house, even with dogs. And I know if dogs do stuff like that, I know kids do. So parents, I feel sorry for you. But please do your best and raise them right. Amen. Raise a bunch of Abels. Raise kids to understand. And I love it when I see little Brendan back here a minute ago and he come in and he had a dollar in his hand. He's uh, running around and hollering and screaming and running everywhere. But he, he had a dollar he was going to put in that plate. Let the kids do it. Teach them what it is to give into the kingdom of God. Teach them to be Abels, not Cain's. It's important. It's one of the most spiritual battles you'll ever face in your life is rearing your kids in the admonition of the Lord. And if society's going to change, it's got to change in the home. Jason says all the time he wants to be a pillowcator. That's a pillar of the community is what it is. And the way you're going to raise uh, pillowcators or pillars of the community is be a community-minded person ourselves. Amen? A person that loves the church. A person that loves God and loves people. That's what our law says. It's what we should do. So as this kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, and God is telling us, here, I'm handing you this spiritual warfare. I'm handing you this spiritual armor. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it in the evil day, and having done all to stand. It keeps, notice this. It keeps saying stand. You're not going to win any battles laying down on your back. 
It's hard to fight off your back. And sure, there's tactics you can do that. And I know I watch USC, and there's some things you can do laying on your back, but you're a lot better off standing up punching somebody in the face than you are laying down trying to kick them every now and then. Amen? Don't lay down. Look at your neighbor and say, stand up. Stand up against the devil. Amen. Don't let him roll you over. Don't lay down and say, oh, I'm whooped. I'm just going to lay here and I'm going to try to get a kick in every now and then. I'm going to try to choke you out. That don't work. We should be engaged in this spiritual battle. Amen. Looking forward to the things of God. And he's telling us, whenever we do this, take up the whole armor of God. You can't pick and choose what pieces you're wanting. You see, that's the way we do. Sometimes we think, well, I want that type. That's a good-looking weapon. You might play whatever it is. One of the video games that they shoot and kill and all that stuff. I ain't no good at them. I can't tell what I'm doing. I'll go play with kids, you know, get on a video game, and they're over making everything happen and blowing up and doing this and taking over cars, and I'm just standing there wandering around back in a back building somewhere stuck against the wall, like beating against the wall. Like, yeah, turn around. I can't. I'm trying. And you get to pick these weapons, and usually about the time I get finally figured out and I'm starting to get through there and trying to pick out which kind of gun I want, somebody shoots me. Because you're choosing what type of weapon. You don't get a choice in these weapons here, in this armor that God's given us. Look at your neighbor and say, take the whole armor. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. You have to have truth. And I love it that God places this around your waist. You know why? Because that's your belt. It's a belt of truth. You know why? Because you can't go by gut feelings. Amen? Only thing that comes out of your gut, it stinks. Amen? The gut's a stinky spot. Your gut feeling ain't going to help you. Amen? It's not going to make... Never mind. You guys don't get it. Moving on. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We should have a, a righteousness about us that we they want to uh, seek you first, the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. We ought to expect the righteousness of God, that we want to be in right standing with God. I don't want to stand behind and hide behind a wall somewhere and say, God, you can't see me. That's what Cain did. Cain said, or God said, where's your brother? Cain, I, am I a brother's keeper? Yes, actually you are. What's that mean? You're your brother's keeper too. Whenever you see somebody in the church that's hurting, maybe that's not here and missed two or three weeks in a row, it's not always the pastor's job to chase them down. It's the church's job. Amen? And what if we worried about each other as much as we worried about all the bad things going on? Well, sorry. That didn't go over very good. The breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we should have some protection over our feet. Because if you can't walk, you're not going anywhere. And sometimes the devil wants to knock the feet out from underneath of you so that you feel like, I can't go on. I, I'm, I'm tired of fighting. I'm, I'm tired of going. And he'll knock your feet out from under you, and you're just like, I can't go anymore. I can't do this anymore. Why? Because he wants you to give up. And when you give up, you lose. Amen? Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith. Wow. You mean the enemy is trying to shoot fiery darts at me? Absolutely. Every person in this room, 
the enemy is out there with his bows and arrows and he's lighting them on fire and shooting at you. You know why? Because he likes it when you feel like you've got burnt. I'm not talking about the way I always do Leslie during the sermons. She gets burnt all the time. But she does me the same way. I listened when she preached a few weeks ago. She don't know it, but I heard every word she said. She put it online. I listened to it. She gets a chance to pay me back. But the enemy wants to burn you. You know why he wants to burn you? When you get burnt, you lose your feeling. You lose your sense. When you lose your sense of touch that you can't, that reality doesn't set any anymore. The Bible says that our conscience can be seared as with a hot iron. That our conscience, once we do things over and over and over, continuous, repetitive, that we continually go against God and do things against God and are contrary according to his word, that eventually our conscience will be seared like with a hot iron and we can't even tell we're doing wrong anymore. Anybody say amen? The still small voice of God is still going to be speaking, but you can't hear it because you're burnt. And the enemy's the one doing the burning. But here, God is telling us you need some armor of a shield of faith. We need some faith in the church. Amen? Let me say it again. We need some faith in the church. What am I saying? We need some people that will rise up and say, with God, all things are possible. Amen? With, my, with men, that situation I'm facing, that's impossible. But guess what? With God, all things are possible. I believe. I trust in Him. The Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to Him must believe He is, and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. It tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. I need some faith. I have to have faith. I have to have a deep abiding faith inside of my heart that tells me that this is possible with God. Not what the human nature is telling me and my mind's telling me this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and it'll play out this way, and then that's going to work, and this won't work, and that. Quit playing in your mind. Your faith is established in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I need some faith in my heart so that I start speaking right. How do we get faith? How do we receive faith? Romans chapter 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more scripture you hear, the more scripture you read, the more sermons you listen to, the more praise and worship music you listen to, there's words inside of those that they produce faith inside of you. And that faith will grow up and it'll be a harvest that you can take when you need it. It's an awesome day in which we live when we got these smartphones that's it's way smarter than me. I graduated with a 1.8 GPA. It's a lot smarter than me. And if I use it, I can use it for bad. I can listen to stupid stuff. And I love to listen to all kinds of stuff. I'm pretty diverse. I, I listen to TED Talks to tr try to motivate me. I listen to all kinds of stuff. But what we need to listen to the most is the Word of God. And it's amazing to me that a church in Birmingham, Alabama, every Sunday places their uh, sermons online and I can listen to a preacher in Birmingham, Alabama. Instantaneously. That's crazy. Now they got all this live feed stuff, and you can watch them live. It just that dumb. Forty years ago, you'd have told somebody that my grandma all that, hey, you don't, you know, you can just watch a sermon online. What do you mean online? Now it's just second nature to us, right? Well, I'll get to it someday. 
Maybe I'll, I'll watch one a year. That's good. Yeah, I'm good. One hour a week ain't enough. I promise you, you don't, and I, I'll give it my all. I'll give everything I got trying to prepare you for the week here. But I'm telling you, you need more than this. Amen? You need the word of God in your life. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I need more faith. How many will say, I need more? Amen. I need some more faith. Why? Because I'm getting burnt. If you're getting burnt, you don't have enough faith. That's your shield. It's your defense. And God's telling us here that it's an armor that he gives us. It's amazing to me. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like you got burned a lot. <laughs> I love this one, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Man, we need saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need saved. Our carnality needs saved. Amen. My human nature needs saved. Why? Because salvation, it isn't a one-time event. We can't say, well, I went to an altar in October of 1999, and, and that's just my salvation, and I'm good from there on out. Salvation is a continual process of working out, of replenishing, of saying, God, I need you more tomorrow and today than I did yesterday. Amen? Just because I got saved don't mean I can't sin anymore. Some people believe that garbage. I don't believe that. Paul said, I die daily. I have to die daily to the flesh. Why? Because the enemy of my soul is wanting me to go to hell. And if I want to go to heaven, God's made a way, but I have to take that chance. I have to self-enlist. He's, he's not going to issue a draft and say, Ben, you have to be in the army. Some people think, well, you're, you're the pastor. Yeah, yeah. Pastors fall every day. If you don't believe me, watch the news. helmet of salvation I love it because I, there's been times in my life where that I didn't feel like I was very saved because of my action amen and when you go to praying about it I ask God once just let me sense that there's a helmet on my head and it was like I could literally feel a helmet protecting me I want to know God is with me this helmet close to your head can you imagine watching the NFL and them guys running around without any helmet? The game wouldn't last long. You get a bunch of 270, 300 pound guys crashing into you at fast speeds. Ain't gonna last long. You have to have a helmet. God says he's giving you a warning here, a weapon, an armor to protect you in your salvation. Why would he place it on your head? Because that's the place where these thoughts take us captive. If you want to wrestle about your salvation, the enemy will give you plenty of bullets to tell you you're not good enough. You don't pray enough. You don't read enough. You don't do this enough. You don't do that enough. You know why? Because he thinks it's all about works. And God said it ain't by works. Paul said, you know, it's not by works we're saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. It's grace through faith. It's only the blood that flowed down the cross of Calvary is the only way you'll ever be saved. And you need to get that through our thick skulls. Amen? Our carnal nature tells us, you know, if I do good enough, if I do this, I do that, it ain't got nothing to do with what you're doing. It's got to do with trusting what he did. I believe in Jesus. And God is going to place a protector over my brain to keep all them fiery darts that the enemy's trying to fire at my brain to say, you're not good enough. 
You're not a good pastor. You don't do this. You let people down all the time. I, I hit these thoughts. And the only thing that protects me is my salvation. Say, God, I'm saved. <laughs> I don't have to be what everybody else is. I have to be who I am and who you designed me to be. I need to be the pastor that God created me to be. And you need to be the person that God created you to be. Don't try to look up. And Jason can't look over Greg and say, well, Greg does this and Greg does that. And Don't worry about what Greg's doing. Worry about what Jason's doing. Amen? You can't, don't compare yourself one to another. The Bible says that that's childish childish Earl you'll never be me playing <laughs> he cut a tree down and landed it it would have been on my car that's his gifting <laughs> amen God's gifted him with stuff that I, I just no way faith I need some faith and I need the helmet of salvation but then this is the only offensive weapon that God places in our possession. These are listed in Ephesians chapter 6. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the best weapon, offensively, that you'll ever have. When the enemy comes in like a flood, this says that God will raise up a standard against them. Amen. When he wants to persecute you, when he wants to beat you up, when he wants to tear you down, the Bible says that I'm highly favored. I got the favor of God. Right? The Bible says that he'll protect me like a mother protects her brood. It says in uh, Psalms 91. There's all kinds of places in this scripture. If we use it as a sword of the spirit that it's intended to be, it'll cause freedom to come in our life. And this is happening. And we need to have some kind of spiritual offensive weapon that we can proclaim. It only happens by your mouth. A lot of times you don't win the battles because you're keeping your mouth shut when you should be saying stuff. And then other times you're losing because you're saying stuff that you should be quiet. Amen? There's one word that I love that will ring true throughout all of humanity. And I heard a preacher say one time when I was down in Orangeburg, he'd come back from Africa, and he was talking about that he went on a, a mission trip over there, and he was out in the middle of this street, and there was just people everywhere, and, and, and just thronged everywhere, people everywhere. And he hollered out this word, Hallelujah. And he said, next thing you know, the people around him started saying it. And then he could hear people farther away and farther away and farther away, and he says, like the whole crowd. He said it was like thunder, saying, Hallelujah. No matter where you go on the planet Earth, you can say hallelujah, and it's the same thing. It's a common language everywhere. Hallelujah. What if we use that as a common weapon whenever hard times are in our life, whenever the battle is in front of us, that we could just say, devil, I know you want my kids to fight today, but hallelujah, they're not going to. Jason's sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to use that. <laughs> When you're out there working on something and your, your job's going this way or that way and it seems like the wheels are falling off the bus and everything's going wrong, Earl, what if you just looked up on that hill and the skidder's laying over on its side and they wrecked it and they, all your employees messing up and you just looked up and said, well, hallelujah. What if that changed things? What if that was a spiritual armor that God gave you, a sword of the Spirit, that you can just say that word and hallelujah can ring out and make things change in your life? What if we believe that? What if we trusted God 
when I say hallelujah, he's going to show up. There's one. Can I get a good hallelujah out of you guys? They must not be fighting any battles, Ernie. Must not be no warring going on in here. Everybody just must have a, oh, this life's great. That's been the best year of my life so far. All right, I want, I want a little bit more enthusiastic, a little bit more like, the, okay, here's the difference. This week's going to turn out, out like crud if you don't say anything, or it's going to turn out amazing if you say it. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Hallelujah. That, what do you give it, Dusty? 60% effort? Okay, okay, I want you to sit up straight. Sit up straight, sit up tall. Fill your lungs. Get, take two or three good, good big breaths. Oh, we're engaging here. It's gonna, we're in the middle, middle of the battle here. It's going to be, my week's going to turn out with victory. Okay, now one, two, three. Hallelujah! Yeah, Ernie brought it to the front, if everybody else would. I heard him. Hallelujah! It's amazing. What if that was a sword of the Spirit that went out and permeated the spiritual realm that made things turn or shift? And just like Daniel did when he prayed and fasted for 21 days that Michael the archangel couldn't come through from heaven. But then all of a sudden, in an instant, in a moment where Daniel was praying and fasting, that Michael the archangel was able to come through 21 days later. What if that's us? Put us in that position where the enemy's trying to fight us, that he's trying to hold heaven back from us. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. How much force do you have in this battle that you're in? The spiritual battle. Leslie, come. Actually, all of you come. Donna, Greg, come on up here. Dusty, come on up. A lot of wars have been won with a ragtag army of unequipped soldiers. You can read all through the Bible. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of wars in the Bible where the ragtag bunch would go out. Gideon's army. He wanted to take thousands. God got him down to 300 and said, you take 300 with you, you're going to win. Fighting against thousands. Because if God's with you, who can be against you? Won't you stand with me? We look like a ragtag bunch, I'm telling you right now. If you can see from my look right now, if I was going to pick an army to fight against the war or the battle of the enemy, I probably wouldn't pick you guys. But God knows what he's doing. Amen? I trust Jesus. And Jesus has entrusted you to be in this army. He's entrusted you with the ability, with the mouth to open up, to say hallelujah, to set freedom in your life. I don't know if it's your family that needs it this week. I don't know if it's your extended family. I don't know if it's your community. I don't know if it's your job. I don't know if it's people around you. But I'm telling you this week, what we need to do is be engaged in this battle of life. So I want you to just close your eyes if you will. Leslie's going to sing this verse that we started out with. Go ahead and sing. I want you guys to sing this. 